he was talking about uh, timeline. So I'm going to back up just a hair um, so everybody can get an idea. It was um, the fall of 1979, okay, there's a year for you, uh, that uh, we were at Compassion, and I had been there series one-upping one me. Um, so uh, we had been, well, first we started out in the Lutheran Church. We were four years in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. And uh, it was awesome because I didn't come from a church background. And so it, I thought the Missouri Synod Church was awesome. I loved learning all those songs. I loved the liturgy, create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. I couldn't think of anything better. I love the Lutheran Church. And uh, then my husband, yeah, I was a new Christian. I, I, just before my 19th birthday, um, I was reading the Word because my husband said we couldn't get married until I read the Word. And so I started in Matthew, and why would you start in the middle of a book with somebody, you know? I didn't get that, but I was obedient, and uh, I started in the middle of the book. By the time I got to John, I was born again. So, uh, and, and that was great, but because uh, then I stayed in the Word. I mean, I, the Word was my life. I stayed in the Word because that's where I started, was in the Word. Uh, but at the same token, I didn't have that nice little book sometimes you get, you know, after you're born again. Here, take this home, read this, and then come ask us questions or something. I didn't get that one. So uh, anyway, then he drug us out of that wonderful Lutheran church into this crazy church where they danced down the middle of the aisles. They said all sorts of mumbo-jumbo that I didn't know what they were telling. They were touching people. They were doing all sorts of crazy things that we never did in the Lutheran church, and why would you? <laughs> so there I was sitting in this church for a long time. Because uh, I'm sure none of you are this way. But, you know, I didn't trust that craziness. I was like, uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I don't think you're right. Yeah, you guys got to be over here on this crazy train because the rest of the world doesn't look like you. So I just sat and um, analyzed and criticized. Actually, that was my spiritual gift, criticism. <laughs> And uh, so that's, that's what I did. And then one day, they asked me to pray for someone. Because I couldn't speak that crazy language that they all spoke. And so I prayed in English. I you're prayed. not talking about tongues. You're talking about like Christianese. No, I'm talking tongues. Oh, you are. Okay. I'm talking tongues, yeah. So um, uh, you definitely, I was picking up the Christianese. It, it doesn't take a genius to pick up that. But um, I, so, you know, I prayed in English, but I couldn't pray in tongues. So I went home that day, and I had been reading about it. And so I went home that day, prayed, and God gave me this little, you know, ba 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 ba, you know, da da ma ma, you know, little syllables. And so I was in that for about six months when Steve, who had a friend at his work, who was, he was the one partially that was responsible. Always somebody responsible, right? That was talking to him about all this crazy stuff. And uh, so that's why we went to that church. And um, he brought home some books. 
So this is about six months after I was filled with the Spirit. And he brought home these books. And who wouldn't be intrigued by this title? Pigs in the Parlor. What? <laughs> you know, what is that? And so, uh, and then the other title was awesome, Deliver Us From Evil. I mean, that was a great title, too. And I was like, hmm, what is this about? Well, the thing was is um, when, when we got into the charismatic stuff, we went everywhere. Because it was evident to us that everybody in that church knew volumes more than we did. Because we didn't get anything they were doing at all. So we went everywhere to catch up. I mean, we went to Larry Burkett when, before Larry Burkett was ever on the radio. I mean, that's how old we are. Um, we went to Larry Burkett. We went to Bill Garthard, Morris Sorello, Derek Prince, Holy Spirit conferences, all this stuff way, way back before North Heights was North Heights. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so, um, so we did all this stuff. And while we were doing all this stuff, I, I soon began to realize that there was something wrong with me. That something wasn't quite lining up. As I read the word of God and listened to all these people talk, I thought, you know, I think there's something wrong here. And I couldn't put my finger on it. And I didn't really pray because I wasn't sure that it was something you prayed over. But when that book came into the house, I went, hmm, there's something here. So I picked up that book, and I started reading it, and I saw myself. I saw myself in that book because in myself, and I know this is going to seem strange, especially to every woman in this room, but I rarely cried. Hardly ever, ever, ever. Like, probably my whole life I could remember crying five times. Maybe. My whole life. Including my grandparents' death. Um, just never cried. Never shed a tear. Sometimes my throat would get a little tense, you know, a little lumpy. Never cried. Never cried at movies. So, that, that, uh, that says something right there. That something's wrong. Uh, the other thing was, is um, uh, I, I always felt, and this was the question they asked me when I finally went for prayer, is I always felt like the fourth leg on a three-legged stool. I felt never needed, superfluous. There's no point in even being there. And yes, my parents were 40 and 42 when I was born, so they, like, didn't need the fourth kid. Except I was a girl. Maybe that was slightly redeeming. But then I became a tomboy, so then they kind of was a wash. Right? So, um, but I knew there were problems. And then I had this other weird thing, which I thought all my life was normal. I thought everybody was like this. And there's a little Disney cartoon where you get an angel on one shoulder and a little devil on the other, and they're always talking at you, you know? One's saying one thing and the other one's saying the opposite. And I had that track running in the back of my mind like a record all the time. Now, when I became born again, that noise 
was sort of relegated to the background. And so it wasn't as prominent as it was before I became born again, but it was still there. And the other thing is when I be became born again, nobody said, okay, you're justified, now your next step is sanctification. Nobody talked about that. You were just supposed to somehow get that, I guess. And I must have been absent that day because I didn't get that. So anyway, I knew there was something wrong with me. And I started reading those books. And those books um, really showed me something. And I want to read this out of Luke because this was sort of my, my thought as I would read the word of God. And I knew something was wrong. It says in here, your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye, your conscience, is sound and fulfilling its office, your whole body is full of light. But when it is not sound and not fulfilling its office, your body is full of darkness. Be careful, therefore, that the light that is in you is not darkness. If then your entire body is illuminated, having no dark part, it will be wholly and completely bright, with light, as when a lamp with its bright rays gives you light. And so that's where I was at. I knew I wasn't whole and complete, but I didn't really get why. So I read the books, and I saw myself in the books. I could see that I had a huge issue with rejection and rebellion, gigantic, gigantic issue. And as I read through the pages, I got why. OK, I never felt wanted or needed. It just was never there. Those feelings were never there. It wasn't that I was so much mad at my parents. It was just the way it was. I knew my, my oldest brother was my mom's favorite, but everybody knew that. So that was no big deal. And uh, <clears throat> I knew that, um, I mean, my dad was a workaholic. Lots of kids' dads weren't, you know, particularly interested in their eight-year-old life. So it wasn't anything of those things. I just knew from the very beginning that there was something wrong. And for me, it was rejection. And for me, it was probably in the womb. Um, my mom had me about a month early. And uh, there was some issues, some problems. And um, I could have, you know, I could have died during birth, but I didn't because God had a plan. He had a huge plan that I didn't know anything about. So anyway, <clears throat> I was in a Bible study, neighborhood Bible study, which I never missed, including um, when Nate had to go to the hospital. I brought him home on a Tuesday, and we went straight to Bible study, because this Bible study was my life. <laughs> it was. It fed me. It gave me life. It made the rest of the week worth living, this Bible study. So I went to the Bible study, and after Bible study that day, I said to the gal who was leading it, do you think I could have a demon? And she went, what? You know, yeah, I've been reading this book. You know, and I think I've got problems. I think I need prayer. And her husband was a pastor of a charismatic church. And so she said, let me talk to Lee about this, and, and I'll get back to you. And so in the meantime, I continued reading the books, got to the end, and I went, you know, I'm going to pray for myself because it says you can pray for yourself. So I'm going to do that. So I got down, knelt. I thought, well, you know, there's got to be a better position. So I knelt, 
you know, at my bedside, and I began to pray. And the great thing about the books was, as I was going through the books, you know, it talked about forgiveness, forgiving your parents, forgiving anybody who did things against you. And so it, it helped me to begin to release things, like, right away. And I knew I was so screwed up that I didn't care. I didn't care who I had to forgive. I didn't care what the debt was. And I didn't care what it cost me. Because anything had to be better than the life I was living. Because my internal CD was not good. And I knew it was not good. And so um, the back and forth, you know, the, the, the CD spinning in my head, that was the not good part. And usually my opinion fell somewhere in between the two voices that were yakking at me. Or I'd go, well, i got to change this diaper so we'll just forget this whole track, which was great. And that's probably why I became such a busy person and a real plate spinner because I didn't want to listen to the track. So anyway... Um, Finally, she decided, yeah, let's pray for you. And unbeknownst to me until later, they actually went out and got training, her and her husband. And they started an entire deliverance ministry at their church, which, you know, that was God. I mean, I had little to do with it other than my questions, you know. But so we sat down and we had prayer and we went through my whole life. And um, then the next day she calls me and, you know, she said, you have so much stuff, I think you really need healing. So then she came back and she prayed for me for healing. And what that did for me is it changed my entire being. People always look at being born again as, as the real change in their lives. And, yes, I went from the kingdom of light to the kingdom of darkness. But for me... The real change was deliverance because the person I was, the core of who I was as a person, completely changed. I went from being rejected and feeling rejected or rebellious. Okay, now maybe I should back up and give you a little clue so you can understand the kind of person I was. Uh, I actually beat up boys on the bus. Uh, I was in a senior in high school. I was in a class. I didn't like the way this guy was talking to the teacher. So I turned around and told him, if you don't shut up, you're going to be eating the floor. And he never spoke again in that class. The teacher loved me. You know. And they never bothered me. You'd think I'd get harassed after that, right? Who do you think you are, some big chick, you know? No. They never harassed me. They never came up to me because they were afraid. And I didn't even realize it. I made people afraid, and I didn't even realize I hardly ever spoke. Teachers loved me, like I said, because I was an A student. And the only time I spoke in class is because stupid other kids wouldn't answer the question. And I just wanted to get out of the class. I just wanted to get home. I didn't want to be in class. So I just answered the question so we could get out of there. And I drank like a fish. Uh, we, on weekends, you know, we would party. And I, I, here, here's something for you, okay? 
I, st I started slowing down my drinking when I was 18. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I started slowing down my drinking when I was 18. Now, I wasn't so much the person who got drunk, but I drank a lot, and I had a high tolerance for alcohol. And so I could drink a lot. My girlfriend and I would polish off a fifth of scotch. Easy, in an evening. Had a high tolerance. So this was sort of the kind of person I was. Um, when Steve met me, I referred to my parents as the old man and the old woman. Not, not a great person, you know, not a real, real fun person to be around. So I had issues. So I had lots of issues. And so all those things I repented of and took back to the ground and all the And when I look back then, three months, Three months after my deliverance, I looked back, and I had become an entirely different person. I had become happy, talkative. I actually noticed that there were other people <laughs> and, and that they had problems that maybe I could pray for. I no longer heard the soundtrack in the back of my head. It was gone. There was no little angel and no little devil. That was completely gone. And the other thing that was amazing to me is there was this person in church that I would pass, knew him enough to say hello. He was in leadership. He did a lot of the sermons. Knew him enough to say hello, but that was about it. And, but I would feel this kind of like ping. Remember when we were talking about forgiveness? And when you need to forgive somebody, you get this little high-octane ping, and you know you've got something against them? So you need to deliver. Well, I sort of had that, except I didn't know the person. What was this that I kept feeling every time I saw him in church? After my deliverance, the Lord spoke to me. I said hi to him in the hall, and I went, oh, it was nothing. No ping. It was gone. Awesome. And then the Lord spoke to me. The rejection in him was calling out to the rejection in me. And that's what it was all about. And I didn't know that. I totally couldn't figure it out. And of course, the little devil and the little you know, angel were telling me all sorts of crazy things that it could be. But it wasn't any of that, because the thing was is they were both liars. It wasn't like one was telling me the truth and one was lying. They were both lying. And that's the devil. He lies to you coming in and going out. He lies to you in both directions. And um, let's see, I wrote, oh, uh, well, I think, I think part of the reason um, I was so receptive is because I was knocking. Remember, uh, Nate, when he was talking about the forgiveness stuff, he was talking about, you know, um, seeking, knocking, and asking. And that's what I was doing. I was seeking, knocking, and asking. And here God, it, God brought freedom again in, in a strange place through a book. So I, it, back to my testimony. So I prayed, and nothing happened to me when I prayed on my own. But I realized later, after ministry, that I had dark spots, things I didn't see myself. And I would have never thought to pray for healing, because that wasn't in any of the books, to pray for healing. And so I, God had a plan. He had a plan that he wanted me uh, to go to this person. He had a plan that he wanted that church in a deliverance ministry. 
he had a plan that um, he wanted us free, and, and eventually Steve got free too. God had a, a plan that he worked out um, in awesome, awesome ways. And let's see, I want to make sure I covered everything. Um, oh, and so let me, let me just go over you quickly before I get to that one is, okay, so what did I do? Um, I forgave my parents. Uh, I forgave them for not being there, not being the parents I needed or I wanted. I forgave them for that. I forgave uh, myself for being disrespectful and dishonoring and all the other little things, you know. Um, I released them. I released them from any debt they owed me, and I asked God to bless them. So that took care of them. And then I asked God to cleanse me. Um, I took back the ground that was given to the enemy, covered it with the blood of Jesus, commanded any spiritual forces of darkness to go in the name of Jesus, and then fill me with righteousness. Fill me um, with acceptance and love and obedience uh, and reverential fear of the Lord. Fill me with all those good, good things. And so, um, so that's what I did. And then later, as I walked, as I walked things out, then I learned about, you know, Galatians, the world, the flesh, and the devil, as I got a little older, because I'm, I'm 26 at this point. So um, then I learned about the world, the flesh, and the devil. And when it comes to the world, you need to cleanse it. When it comes to the flesh, you need to crucify it. But when it comes to the devil, you need to cast it out. Cast him out. Cast out his friends. Uh, cast out his communications. Cast out everything, every lie that he tells you to do. Cast that out. And that cleansing then brought me into a completely different realm. Like I said, I was changed at my core, who I was and how I lived my life from that point. I was no longer that same person. My whole being changed. I became um, a loving, caring person. Six months after my deliverance, uh, Pat Robertson was on the TV, and he said, if God has done something great for you, reach out your hand and pray with me, and maybe God will bring you into something to do for him. So I did. Six months later, God brought me into the deliverance ministry. So what happened is one of the elders' wives and I started praying, and then we started an entire deliverance ministry in that church and then subsequent churches. And so, and it's not like everything was done that first time. Three months later, you know, you need a tune-up. You discover once you peel back some of those layers, mm, you know, you might need a few things more. And so three months later, I went back for a tune-up. But then even after we started the deliverance ministry, um, somebody would leave, and we'd look at each other and go, let's pray, you know, because we've, we've not done that in our lives. So God continued, his Holy Spirit continued to teach us and to minister to us as we went through deliverance for everyone else. And he was awesome. I mean, he taught us from his word and from his spirit. And it was amazing. It was amazing in our lives and in the lives of our children then because, of course, we brought that to our children they grew up in deliverance. Matt was three years old, and he would watch um, uh, Moses, you know, the four-hour epic. 
while I was in the kitchen praying for someone for deliverance. And so the kids, you know, grew up in, in this kind of atmosphere. And so is, do you have questions? Do you mean in personally ministry? You bet. You bet. Okay. The, the Lord taught us early on that um, Jesus is full of grace and goodness, and Satan is a legalist. God has tons and tons of grace. Satan only has legalism. So if you're going to deal with Satan, you have to deal with legalities. And so what we did, when we, after we were done praying for a person, this is where I assume you're going. After we were done praying for a person, then we rebuked all and any transference of spirits, commanded them to leave, and asked the Lord to fill us up in the name of Jesus. Uh, before we ever started you know, a session, we would pray for God to surround us with his angels, uh, places hedge of protection and prevention, a bloodline around about us. We did set up prayers to rebuke the enemy. Um, we stood our ground. We knew our authority in Jesus. By that time, we knew who we were in Christ and the authority that we had in him. Um, we, went, we knew uh, our examples in the New Testament, um, Ananias and Sapphira. They were born again, but, uh, you know, they, the, the love of money, and their unwillingness to give up that love of money cost them their lives. Yes. Yeah. 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 By the Hammonds. Yeah. Uh, the Hammonds. Um, I think it's Frank and Ida May. Yeah. Your house, the church. Yep, that's the parlor. Yeah. Your life. And then when you're saying to dinner, you're having the pigs to dinner. Yeah. <laughs> They're your friends. See, that's the whole thing. So often, the demonic influence in our life is our friend. And you got to get to the point where it's no longer your friend. It's your enemy. Steve and I? Yeah. An elder at church, the life of the Yeah. Karen Bodie and I would, would do deliverance ministry with the, with the authorization of the church. We went to the church. Of course, you got to remember, this was a kind of a crazy charismatic church. And we went to the church, and we asked them permission. They said, well, we don't care what you do. You know, but we knew authority, and we knew we had to get permission from the authority regardless of their take on it. We knew the authority. We knew how to operate in authority, and that you, if you're going to be in a deliverance ministry, you have to be under authority. So, yes, they do. 
They sure do. Mm -hmm. So it didn't matter what the pastors thought. We knew. So, yes. Demons are legalistic. You need to take the ground away from them. Now, remember, all this has already been done for you. Once you step from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, you are already justified and sanctified, complete. Christ has done everything for you, and you are completely set free. However, you need to appropriate that. You've got to walk it out. The justification is done forever. As long as you stay in the hand of God, you remain justified. But sanctification has been done. It is your, is, it's your, I'll do it this way. I have a cold. I'm completely healthy. Your state, standing is you are completely sanctified. Your state at any one moment might be, I'm mad, I'm unhappy, I'm frustrated, I, whatever, okay? Un an unsanctified mind or, or state. Legally, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Having done all, we stand. That's our legal stance in heaven. That's us completely sanctified, justified, and walking in the full power of the Holy Spirit. That's who we are in Christ, always. But any given state might not be that way. And so that's the process of sanctification. And that's what we brought people through. But we did a lot of teaching because we found as we started the ministry that so many people did not know that. So many people didn't realize they were already set free. They were just sitting in the prison with the door open. They were already set free. So, um, does that answer? Okay. How about you, Joe? That, that answered? Okay. Anything else? I'll answer any questions. Yes. 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 Mm -hmm. Right. Well, Steve was my intercessor. Steve was my intercessor. Um, I came to deliverance first, but he wasn't very long after. And and, and he. Oh, he was a much better person than me, just to let you know. So, um, yeah, uh, we started, uh, as, as time progressed, we started teaching people um, how to deliver. And uh, you, like I said, um, knowing your authority is key. One of the gals left a ministry, and she turned the wrong way, going down the highway in the opposite direction. Now, thank God that uh, she realized it before she was hit. But yes, if you don't know who you are in Christ, and I don't say this to make anyone fearful, but this is just a reality. Satan is a legalist. He will try to take you out every second of every day. Um, he can, he can, he, you, give, you give him ground. You give him ground, you open a door 
to allow him to have his way. So what I like to teach people is be on the offense. The gates of hell shall not prevail against you. You are pushing back the gates of hell uh, when, with you, with driving. When you drive, you get in the car. You say, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to cover my car. Place your hedge of protection and prevention around about me. I place a hedge of thorns around about me that nothing from the enemy can come near me and I near nothing. I ask you, Lord, to send your mechanical angels to keep my car constantly working and always in order. Keep me, Lord, and guide me and help me to re re um, arrive at the place of my destiny. Okay? Offense. The best defense is a great offense. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. Right. So what, what she did, um, she was free from that vow when she became a Christian. But she didn't know it. And she continued to agree with the vow. That's where we get into trouble. If we had somebody, the second we became a Christian, drag us into another room and teach us all about sanctification right away, it wouldn't be such a mess in our lives. But that rarely happens. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. You, you, would, you would become born again, and you were immediately taken in and taught sanctification. Right. Um, but as far as the vow goes, yes, it's agreeing with something that God doesn't agree with. So there's your legal ground. What does God say about you? Once you are born again, what does God say about you? You are chosen. You are redeemed. You are, are one of the chosen. You're forgiven. For I've been crucified with Christ, and it's not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. You know, that's what Christ says about us. And our confession, our mouth, needs to line up with, with, with what Christ says. Not because it's, um, what do you want to say, just talk, but because we actually stand in the truth of Christ's word. This is what it is. Anything else is a lie, and I won't believe the lies. I won't be a party to it. But you got to be careful because sometimes we like the lies. Uh, for instance, smoking. Oh, is my time up? No, I just wanted to support that. So um, one of the ways we give ground to the enemy is believing lies or agreeing with lies. Yeah. And sometimes we don't even know we're doing that, which is why it's important to know who we are in Scripture. Because if we are believing lies that I'm worthless, I'm not forgiven because I'm such a sinner, well, that's a lie. The truth is we are forgiven and we are righteous through Christ. But if, if we believe it in our head, we're going to live out what we believe. We always live out what we believe. And so um, 
the, we, in the forgiveness sermon a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the guy who was forgiven all this debt, right? Mm -hmm. And what did he do next? He went out and he found the guy who owed him 50 bucks and he choked him because he wouldn't give him the money. What was happening there? Well, that guy was forgiven, but he wasn't thinking about being forgiven. He wasn't living like he was forgiven. If he lived like he was forgiven, he would have forgiven the guy. He would have had mercy. If he lived like he had mercy, he would have given mercy away, which is what the master told him. I gave you mercy. You should have given mercy, but he didn't. Because although he was forgiven in reality, he didn't live forgiven in his mind. The Israelites, when they left Egypt, they were no longer slaves. But that whole time in the wilderness, they acted like slaves. They thought like slaves. And so in reality, they were free, but they didn't live free because they weren't free in their mind. And so that's all about believing lies. It's, that's why it's so important to know who you are in Christ so that you could walk into that. So yep. believing lies gives ground to the enemy. Yep. Holding on to unforgiveness yep. gives ground to the enemy. That's mm -hmm. a huge one. Mm -hmm. Giving into anger in an ungodly way gives ground to the enemy. The Bible says um, don't give the devil a foothold. Right. When you give into anger, anger is always a secondary emotion. You feel something else first. Mm -hmm. You're hurt. You're rejected. Mm -hmm. You're scared. You feel an emotion in response to a situation, and then you respond to that with some form of anger, frustration. I'm not angry, I'm frustrated. Same thing, okay? It's all anger. But then if you react in anger and do something, mm -hmm. that gives ground to the enemy, because that's a sin. Anger in and of itself isn't a sin, it's a reaction. But, but doing something in anger is a sin. So sin, another one. Sin gives ground to the enemy, right? Um, there's a lot of things like that, and but they're all... We're not talking about putting a baby on an altar to Satan and all that kind of stuff. Yes, that would count too. But, <laughs> but I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. Don't do that, please. But like, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about everyday life. I'm talking about walking around believing we are something other than what the Bible says we are. Every time we believe that in our head, it gives ground where? In our head. And that's where the devil starts to mess with us then. That's the little talking voices on the shoulder that says, you're right, you're not worthy. How, how are you even praying right now? Who do you think you are? After all the thoughts you've had today, after what you've done, you have no right to come before God, who is holy and perfect. Good grief, you're sick, you're disgusting. Go fix yourself, then you can come to God. That's what the devil says yeah. every time to all of us. And it's a lie mm -hmm. because we're already fixed. Yep. That's what this thing was about. Yep. Remember that a long time ago on the cross? All that was already done. He's right about everything he says. We do suck. Okay, that's accurate, but he's incorrect in the conclusion because all the suckiness was paid for on the cross of Jesus Christ. And so that's a lot of this battle is in our mind, which is why Paul is always saying, be, be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. That's how we are transformed, by the renewing of our mind. And so deliverance is a step in that. It's part of sanctification. I think it's a necessary part of sanctification. I, I also think we all need deliverance. And I don't just mean once when we were young. I mean regularly. I think that's what Jesus washing the disciples' feet was about at the Last Supper. And he goes to wash Peter's feet, and Peter's like, no, I should be washing your feet. And he's like, no, you don't understand what's going on. I need to wash your feet. Otherwise, you can't have anything to do with the kingdom and what we're going to be doing. And Peter says, fine, then wash my head and hands and everything else. And Jesus is like, you're already clean. Okay? You're already clean. You just need to wash your feet every once in a while. And I think that's part of what deliverance is. I think in, in an ideal world, I think we would have people pray for us once a year to wash our feet. Mm -hmm. And just as a tune-up. 
as, my, as you called it, a tune-up. Once a year, just get a little foot washing in, a little spiritual cleansing, because sometimes things come in that we don't realize are there. We, we find ourselves reacting really strongly emotionally to this kind of situation or that kind of situation. We don't even realize it or know why it's there. And it's because we've given some ground that we don't realize we've given. And, and it's, it's, it's easy to get rid of, <laughs> but we got to actually do it. But we don't because we're scared about it, because it seems freaky, or we've never even heard about any of this kind of junk. So we are ignorant, or we're lazy, or we're listening to a voice that says, you don't need that. That's for weirdos. Be afraid of it. That's not you they're talking about. It's everyone else, maybe, <laughs> or just freaks. No, it's everybody. Jesus washed all the disciples' feet, including John's. It wasn't just a loudmouth Peter, <laughs> right? It was everybody. It's a daily, I mean, it's, it's a regular thing that we need to go through. So hopefully that answers the, the ground question. Yeah, real quick, because we're, we're over time, but. It's true, and a lot of those core, core issues and mindsets just come about through habits, and some of those habits we start forming when we're kids, ways we respond, ways we think, ways we react. Those are just habitual. Doesn't mean somebody did something terrible to us necessarily, although that can obviously cause habits as well. But we can unlearn things we've learned. We can unlearn habits. But you have to re replace it with something else, which is when memorizing scripture comes in so handy and all this kind of stuff. Okay, so we're, we're real over time. Can you um, walk us through just a real quick deliverance prayer to close us out? Like how we might pray for ourselves. Because I'm sure the Spirit has brought up issues in your own head over the last, okay. you know, 20 minutes or whatever. Ooh, maybe, maybe that's me, maybe that's me, maybe that's me. So when we go home tonight, how should we pray? Okay. Um, yeah, we, we, I, I could tell you how to pray, or we can pray just right now. If there's something, I'll just pray right now, yeah, and then you can use it as we'll the with model. You. And um, if you have something, great, you can pray it now. If you don't have something, that's fine. If God brings something to you later, pray later. So, Lord, um, you're speaking to our hearts and you're speaking to our minds right now. And whatever this is, Lord, we ask you, first we give it to you, Lord. Do I need to forgive someone? Do I need to forgive my mother, my father, a, a spouse? Forgive that person completely in the name of Jesus. Do I ask you, Lord, for my, that I need to forgive. Lord, I forgive my thought life. Forgive the things that I've been thinking that are wrong. Stinking thinking keeps you in the wilderness and won't bring you into the promised land. Lord, forgive me for every thought that isn't from above. I take that captive, Lord, now in the name of Jesus. And I ask you, Lord, to cleanse me from all unrighteous thought, word and deed in the name of Jesus. I lay whatever this is on, on the altar in Jesus' name. 
any work of darkness. You are not my friend. You are my enemy, and I want nothing to do with you. I command all your buddies, all your communications to go to the pit in Jesus' name. I take back all ground that was given the enemy. I cover it with the blood of Jesus, and I ask you, Lord, to fill me with your Holy Spirit in every place that I need filling. Lord, I cut out anything in my heart that was darkened, and I ask you, Lord, to heal my heart. Create in me, Lord, a clean heart and a right spirit within me, Lord. Fill me up, Lord, and make me the reflection of you in <coughs> Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, and I give you all the glory. Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you.